Thanks for tuning in to The Happiness Playbook, a podcast that supports your practice of play theory, a life strategy that helps you achieve happiness through hope, creativity, and validation of self and others. Here at The Happiness Playbook, we know that our attitude plays a huge role in how we handle the challenges that come our way. So listen up as we focus on the positive and share tips and practices to improve your happiness game. I'm your host, Marie Florence, and I owe all of you a huge apology, or do I? More on that, but first, let's check in on our team huddle. It's been a couple of weeks since our last play of the week. Were you able to hug a loved one for an extra 10 seconds and not be the first to let go? In our latest episode, we talked about how life and death are unpredictable And so it's so important to lean into the preciousness of our relationships in this life. Were you able to be more present with your loved ones? Did you do a better job savoring the moments? And if you know someone who is currently going through the unimaginable loss of a loved one, were you able to look outward and let them know that you see them, you love them, and that you're there for them? All right, before I get to that apology, I want to share a really awesome highlight reel that demonstrates how there are really smart, capable, good people looking outward, asking what's needed, and doing their best to solve some of the very big problems that our world faces. Does anybody out there have a gingerbread house tradition? Well, here's an amazing development that will take such a holiday activity to a whole new level. There are a pair of Japanese researchers that have developed a startup that is able to turn food waste into cement. So that sounds a little odd, but the potential applications are endless. We we take for granted everywhere we use cement, and I guess cement has a level of toxicity that the food cement would not have. So this food cement could be used as a building material, and it could also produce things like um, furniture or our eating utensils, but it's also edible if necessary. It can smell good, and most importantly, it's biodegradable. So Kota Machida and Yuya Saki of Tokyo University developed a company called Fabula, Incorporated, and this was a project that they worked on to reduce food waste, which will help curb global global warming and reduce pressure on landfills, and offer a new building material that turns common food waste into something that is not only strong and resourceful but in a pinch could be boiled and then consumed as food. So this could have a huge benefit to our whole world because it's going to lessen the demand on landfills and it's going to lower greenhouse gases because current cement production is estimated to produce about three and a half times as much greenhouse gas emissions as the airline industry, which I had no idea. This method took years to develop, but it's fairly simple. 
And what they do is they take the food waste after it's collected and they are able to dry it and turn it into a powder and then heat press it into a mold. And this would be beneficial because it provides this new resource while lowering other sources of pollution. One scenario that the producers or the developers imagine is creating shelters for refugees who could then literally eat their lodgings if hunger necessitated it. Wow, that would be a life-saving gingerbread house. Something to ponder when you're making your Christmas cookies this year. It's a good feeling knowing that there are bright minds looking outward and asking what's needed to solve some of our world's challenges. Now, on to the apology. I completely skipped an episode, and now this week is late. I am sorry about that. It was a busy few weeks leading up to our show's opening, which went really well, by the way. We had full houses and very generous audiences. It's funny how our bodies do this. I was going pedal to the metal with finishing up needs for the show, and then right after the show opened, I literally came home that night after the performance, and within two hours, I could tell I didn't feel right. And by midnight, I had a raging fever and ended up being sick with the flu for over a week. And honestly, I'm still not back to normal. And the cough has made it impossible to record a new podcast episode. So that's my apology. But is it really something I need to feel bad about? Is missing an episode because I got sick something that I couldn't control, something that I should apologize for. Apologies are interesting things. While I was sick, I binged on the series Seinfeld, and in one episode, the character George was adamant that another person owed him an apology. Left me thinking about the shoulds of apologizing. My daughter and a son-in-law, who are excellent parents, require that their kiddos apologize when they've done something that hurt someone else. But they don't just demand that they say the words, I'm sorry, which may or may not be true if an apology is forced. Instead, they ask the offending child to acknowledge that the other person is feeling sad, hurt, or angry, and then ask them to think of something they can do to make the situation better. It may sound something like, I'm sorry you're sad about me stepping on your sand castle. I will help you rebuild it. Or, I'm sorry I slugged you. I'll get an ice pack and read you a story till the throbbing stops. In the Psychology Today article titled, Should You Make Your Kids Apologize? How to Teach Children to Recognize and Take Responsibility for the Mistakes. They found that Spontaneous, prompted, or forced apologies are not as effective as making amends or trying to make the wrong right. So even if you feel bad and you say you're sorry, or you don't feel bad and you're forced to say you're sorry, it's not going to be as good for the other person as if you make an effort to amend your mistake. So if you ate their candy, give them your candy. If you said something mean about them, say something validating and kind about them. 
The research, in fact, found that forced apologies just lead to resentment and do nothing to strengthen the relationship between the two parties or the kids and their parents who are forcing the apology. In the Seinfeld episode, the more George demanded an apology, the worse the relationship got as resentment on both sides grew. In contrast, when we strive to make amends instead of just apologize, the relationship is strengthened and the victim of the wrongdoing feels better. Have you ever been in George's situation where you felt someone owed you an apology? Have you expected an apology? How did you handle that? I've been bumped into on ski runs, cut off in traffic, and flipped off in public for reasons I still can't identify. Life is bumpy. I get it. I know I've unintentionally cut people off in traffic. When this has happened, I've tried to apologize to the other driver with the shrug of the shoulders and a mouthed, sorry. This has been both accepted and also rejected. Are apologies sometimes not enough? What is enough of an apology? I personally hate having my time wasted, and therefore, I'm conscious of wasting other people's time. If I end up doing this, I am quick to apologize, but that sometimes still feels awkward. And is it even possible to make amends and give someone back their time? Something that I've found that seems to help restore equanimity when the inadvertent offense happens is to thank the person for their patience in such situations and then apologize for the wrongdoing, such as being late or mistaken or wrong about whatever. This idea of coupling awareness of the other person's sacrifice or offering an acknowledgement of my own shortcoming has been helpful in shoring up relationships frayed by the demands of our busy world. It's one way of letting go and playing. We all make mistakes, no matter how hard we try to avoid them. I love pickleball and watching the pros. I'm always reminded that even they make mistakes. They'll they'll have a 90% accuracy on a shot, but they'll still hit it into the net once in a while. And this helps me forgive myself when I hit the ball into the net or over the back fence. Trying your best is not a guarantee that you won't make an error on the court or in life. So don't let that be how you define your self-worth. When mistakes happen, Acknowledge it, then let it go and move forward in your life, armed with greater awareness and therefore an improved chance of making less errors in the future. It's a slow process, so keep at it and stay in the game. And with that, I'd like to say thank you for your patience with me as I navigate the scheduling demands of posting a weekly podcast. I really appreciate your understanding of my unanticipated circumstance of falling ill to the flu. I'm sorry if you felt disappointment that there wasn't a new episode last week. For the future, I'm working on recording further in advance to better handle any possible disruptions moving forward. How did that feel? Did you feel seen, appreciated, acknowledged? Did you recognize my attempt to make amends in the promise that I'll try harder to record things in advance? So here's your play of the week. When someone that you know is disappointed in your behavior, be it conscious choice or something you had no control over, let go and play and look outward and apologize. 
using these steps. One, acknowledge the other person's suffering. Two, thank them for anything they did for you, such as exercising patience or picking up the extra work. Three, apologize with the words, I'm sorry. Then add what you did to cause the other person's discomfort, even if it was out of your control, such as, in my case, getting the flu. Offer to make amends to offset any discomfort or suffering that you caused. To be clear, even if someone expects an apology from us, we're not obligated to give one unless we feel inclined to do so. It would be egregious to accept the responsibility for all of the disappointment and heartaches of others. We can acknowledge others' sufferings, though, without accepting responsibility for it. And when we are in error, we can thank others for their understanding and patience with us, and we can let go and play and say the words that allow us to do a reset and start again with greater understanding and awareness. That's it for today. Next week, I'll be reposting an episode from last year called Four Secrets to a Better Holiday Season. I'm really behind on my elf duties since I've been out of commission for most of December, so don't look for a new episode from me until December the 28th. In the meantime, keep on practicing your happy game. Remember, when you're feeling stressed or uncomfortable, to assess the four play theory principles and see if you can lean into one of them with more intention. And until then, keep on being present, letting go and playing, accepting and building and looking outward. You got this.